there shouldn't be one solution. There should be to allow solar and renewable energy to flourish at this lower complex level. There needs to be a choice. There needs to be consumer slash commercial choice. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm excited to have my guest today, Graham Smith. He's the CEO and founder at Open Energy Group. And Open Energy Group acts as the lending tree of renewable energy assets, which I recently just learned from Graham. And I think it's a great way to kind of summarize the different product offerings that you're offering. And basically, the Open Energy Finance Exchange empowers renewable energy developers, EPCs, asset owners to easily and efficiently access the capital markets to find the best fit lenders, investors, and partners. The exchange enables participants to focus on their projects while open energy provides the most competitive term and pricing and also the right financial product, which we were talking about before. Grant, can you go into you know, more about open energy? And for me, it was interesting too, to learn how you guys have pivoted when you first started. You specifically focused on debt and then I know there was like tax equity and then like a lease product. But now I feel like your exchange has any financial product that really a renewable energy project because you don't just do solar. So I'm excited to have you on the show. And, you know, I know that's like a loaded question. So uh, and you could go a lot into that. So thank you, Graham. I appreciate it and love learning about what you guys are doing in the market and the value that you're adding to the industry. Thank you very much, Benoit. Uh, I want to say congrats to on the launch of the Solar Maverick. I uh, watched it with interest and I really appreciate the invitation to be on it. Thank you. Uh, you're a thought leader in the industry. You know, we have a close relationship and have known each other for a long time and, and the rest of the team at Open Energy. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to get your interesting insights. And we're here at your beautiful office here in New York. And I think it'll be great for what we call our listeners Mavericks to, mm-hmm. to learn about, you know, the different you know, products mm. that you're offering, and then also to talk about financing in mm. the renewable energy space and, and entrepreneurship as well. Obviously, you know, Graham founded this company now. How, how long it's been? Five years? Yeah, or? it's five, five, five and a half years. Five and a half years, because I think I met you maybe a year, year and a half into it through right. mutual friends. Mm. We were interested in it. It made an intro because he, he knew we were both actually in financing and solar. And then We've gotten to know each other pretty well. So I'm excited to learn more about what you're doing and more about open energy and and your story that got to where you are. Absolutely. And thank you. Uh, Hi, Mavericks. So what Benoit shared was spot on. I'll give you the the sort of the 10 word version. So open energy, we're a marketplace and financial solutions provider for the US commercial renewable energy sector. Our mission, which we actually clarified only recently. So happy to share that with you, which is, again, hopefully nice and, and pithy and short. So we match low-carbon projects with optimal financing solutions, delivering competitively priced capital investment for a sustainable future. Sure. That's um, a great I think it's, Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it's fair to say um, we're all pretty mission-driven in this area um, and, and believe in it thoroughly. And so Open Energy is a, as I mentioned, it's a marketplace and it's a financial solutions provider. The, the marketplace, and you alluded to it, is cribbing a soundbite, if you like, where there's an element of being a lending tree for renewable energy. Why? Because certainly in the sub a million dollar 
renewable energy space, particularly within solar, there is a clear need for a better array of financing solutions. Definitely. I think we've heard much over the last couple of years, where if you've been interested in renewable energy and particularly solar, there have been a flourishing of financing products, and I'll go into some of them shortly. The realization we've had in our five years is that there's no one perfect solution. There's people who talked about PPAs and leases and loans and ESAs, and, and the list does go on. And where we've arrived at right now, and I'll go into a little bit how we got there, is that at least under a million dollars, we focus on delivering using technology via and in conjunction with our online platform to allow borrowers a borrower-friendly application process because frequently in solar and renewable energy, its financing is, is obfuscated. It's firstly physical. Where do you go? Is There's no sort of banks on the high street that say, hey, hey let's, yes. I'll, I'll lend to solar. And that actually is a sort of a microcosm of, of the challenges, you know, the, and even online, it's, it's hard. And so what we've looked at, part of it has been looking at analogous consumer offerings, albeit in the commercial space. If you wanted a more general loan or a car loan or a, a mortgage or a credit card, there are well-known sites that provide access to multiple financing solutions and allowing the consumer choice and an ease of application. And what we tried to do is replicate and recreate that for solar and renewable energy that's hence why I, I alluded to uh, lending tree as a, as a soundbite, so that we offer. I'll just go into the kind of products definitely. if that's, if oh, that's definitely if that's that useful. would be helpful. Uh, just w- one question I had. I think it would be helpful for our audience mm. to know why projects sub a million are harder to be financed. I think that's a great point, and that's a part of the market that it's very challenging for financing. Can you talk about why there's definitely a need in an underserved market? Yeah, financing. I, I think that is a really good sort of baseline question because, sure. and the answer, uh, one of the answers, I'll, I think there's a couple of answers mm-hmm. because if you look at, at a really base level, if you're running a business in the US or frankly your school or a not-for-profit, there are millions, many millions of those entities across the US. And the decision about how to go solar and when to go solar is complex in and of itself. I think we're still at the tip of the iceberg, people realizing that it's an option. I think most people still don't realize. I think once they do think about it, it then becomes clearly cost. Maybe people have in their mind, certainly until recently, that renewable energy is expensive. If I want to go and I want to take a renewable energy solution, say solar, it's going to be more expensive. And so... The challenge then becomes how to finance these different businesses or entities. And frankly, it's very heterogeneous. So below a million, there are different ways to take the solar. I'll say take because you might pay for solar just like you do. You pay your electricity bill. You take the electricity and you pay for what you take. Or you might say like your HVAC. Well, clearly you own your HVAC and you use the HVAC. So someone might own the solar system on their roof. Because I think the sector is still in its infancy, there's no entrenched method. So there's no way people, like if you want double glazing or you want something, some aspect or a new roof, then you might just go to your bank and and they'll understand that. With solar, there's still a lack of awareness. So what that means is that on that that sub-level, there is a lot of variety. I'll I'll be honest, that is, it's complicated. But maybe if I I contrast it with over a million dollars, where... Typically, the more you go over a million dollars, it gravitates towards 
where solar is, is just electricity. It's just a buy from the cheapest source. And the reality, and it's super exciting, is that due to the falling cost of the equipment, the solar equipment, the efficiencies with which people build, the efficiencies with which financing can be provided, that businesses, if they wanted, a, and entities more generally, I, it could be, again, it could be local government, it could be lots of different things, but if they were looking to effectively use solar above a million dollars, a system that costs above a million, they might simply buy the electricity and a third party. It could be utility, sure. it could be all kinds of entities might own the solar, like, like a mini power plant, and effectively sell the power. And that that construct moves into an area called project finance, which is frankly tried and tested. And it's it's well established. It's an area we also work in, and we'll get into that. But that was a long-winded answer. But effectively, it's more homogeneous above a million dollars. Definitely. And I think, too, when you talk about transactions under a million especially if you want to do which is a product you offer a PPA it potentially could get expensive with the legal cost with uh, the Very legal much. counsel of yep. an outside legal counsel basically looking at the agreement for the commercial industrial building owner who would get some sort of discount for a, basically a solar investor to pay for it and then sometimes it makes it uneconomical you know this is interesting because you also go into your project finance solutions can you talk about just a high-level summary of the different products that basically you have on, on your exchange? Yeah, of course. So they developed, and anyone that we essentially launched this arm of the business just over a year ago when we, you remember, Benoit, because we were talking about it and we came, we, we were convinced that the capital lease was the solution and we really believed it. And from that, we've, we've learned over the last year, pretty much what I was saying corroborated our experience, which was that there shouldn't be one solution. There should be to allow solar and renewable energy to flourish at this lower complex level, there needs to be a choice. There needs to be consumer slash commercial choice about the products, and that's what we aim to provide. So giving you a quick rundown of some of the products, we have the operating lease, a capital lease, a direct loan, CPACE, the power purchase agreement or PPA, an energy services agreement, and a, a deposit or prepaid lease. And these there are clear technicalities and details around each, but our goal is to help our, our customers and the, the applicant or borrower or energy user to find the best solutions without getting caught too much in the jargon to really sure. help them find the best financing solution. Definitely. And you kind of actually hit on the, some of these things, but what trends are, are you seeing in solar financing? It's interesting because I think you have all these products that you're offering, which is amazing. And that also goes to that I think people have gotten a lot more comfortable with solar as an asset class, but there's still, you know, ways to go or and renewable energy. But can you talk about what trends you're seeing in the renewable energy industry from your perspective of where you're sitting outside of some of the things that you just spoke about? I think a necessary trend that is needing to happen is, I guess I was speaking a little bit to what we're trying to do, is, is simplifying the process. Because sure, when, when, we spoke, when, when we spoke about PPAs and legal costs, frankly, I think the average for solar to really be, if we look forward 10, 15, 20 years, when every one in three, one in two buildings has solar, they'll, they'll be... It'll be just like TV. I have a, you know, but, sure. but less so because it's more commoditized. You know, it, it's not a sort of handy product around the home. But the idea that we're, there's too much awkwardness. It needs, there's a side of the, 
the tax credits, that doesn't need to be exposed to the ultimate borrower. There needs to be a, a filtering, and this is what we focus on when a borrower comes to be able to design and, and know using information from them what the best product is. And I think sure. that comes not only in this in sizing solar, which is an area we don't focus on, but when someone's selling solar, you know, this type of panel or this type of look on the house or building, the same way the financing is completely hand in glove, glove sure. with that. And we're, we're, we're laser focused on that. So that, that's, that's one trend. I think in terms of interesting trends, actually one we're seeing now that I'm personally very excited about is, is non-solar, actually. Solar is the big news. I think it's where the vast majority of capital in renewable energy alongside wind, but those two are taking the limelight. However, we are going to see over the next few years a significant rise in waste and water. Those are not the only two areas, but those are two that we're very excited in about. The waste area is, particularly in this country, I'll be frank, not not originally being from America, there was a a vast amount of waste generated, um, you know, from down to stuff we put in the trash every day to whether that's recycling or food not eaten or the animal waste that comes from farms and our cycle of use of resources. And the fact is that at a macro level, we have to be more efficient. And what we're seeing now, specifically then a trend in renewable energy financing is an appetite to look at the recycling of waste, producing both energy and products that can be reused into the cycle. I'm super excited because just waste is vast in this country and there's so much energy is wasted in that process. And it's something we're looking into. Oh, definitely. That's a huge opportunity. And I totally agree with you. Obviously, on our podcast, we've talked a lot about storage. Have you started looking at financing of storage? And also another question I had too, are you only focused on commercial industrial businesses? Do you look at utility scale projects when you're providing your solutions? Or I'll answer it. In, in, I know there's in, in, two different questions. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer them backward. The utility scale means... It means different things. I think five short five years ago, it probably sure. meant anything over five meg or two megawatts. Yes. Utility scale, it relates largely to the investment size or principally the capacity of plants. And I think in solar, at least, but also wind, but wind is predominantly massive. Solar, I think that threshold's gone up. I'll be honest. You know, utility scale used to be five. Now it's maybe 50 megawatts. Definitely. One of those, not the sole explanation is that you could have a a project of 20 megawatts that's made up of 21 meg plants, so distributed generation. We, our largest financing has been $35 million, which is, that's something, and it was was on a 20 megawatt plant. So it is utility. So um, frankly, there's no upper threshold on on where we can deliver financing solutions. Okay. Oh, that's really helpful. Which is exciting. No, that is is exciting. And from looking at your website, it says that you've been, Open Energy has been involved in 700 million of renewable energy projects underwritten to this point. So that's pretty amazing. The $1 billion mark is not that far away then. That's right. You know, what that means is that we've underwritten, it's probably we've underwritten close, if not more than a billion dollars of projects. Mm -hmm. The the matching, we just, you know, in terms of some kind of the volume, we matched financing for $90 million last year. And then prior to that, in terms of our story, and I think you'd mentioned it's important sure. for to people to know for all levels, so especially the entrepreneurs, that it hasn't been a straight path for open energy. We started out in 2013, and what we saw was the need for an alternative financing solution for solar. And 
what that required and why. Why was that? Because the banks weren't really lending at the smaller scale that we've been talking about. And so to foster the growth of commercial solar, we thought what was required was a, a platform that would allow non-bank capital to fill that hole. Sure. And the reason that that kind of capital would like it is because solar projects are fundamentally, when they're well built and well constructed, they're actually great investments, really great long-term yeah. investments. And that's been proven out since so much capital and then steady capital has entered the sector recently. And so we lent a couple of million dollars ourselves. We raised some money and continued that. We then morphed through the years into selling the loans to financing, greater financing institutions, more vanilla, such as banks. What that was part of was a trend where more banks, and I guess we played some role in that, that the, the banks that hitherto hadn't been either excited or they've thought there was too much risk involved, sure. they've now got involved. So the, the sector is well catered yeah. for in terms of banks. And so, it sounds like then you must have been involved in the education for a lot of these banks to get comfortable with buying the loans that you initially invested. So it's interesting for me to hear like the five and a half year path. Mm. I would say five and a half years ago, there was not a lot of people comfortable with financing of solar. And then to kind of see the progression and to now, you know, it's pretty amazing how many financial products and how many different ways you could structure from your project financing solution projects and I think you're absolutely right that the particularly in the smaller scale, and that's where sure. it re really really matters because distributed generation, which we'll touch on just briefly, and we can well we could circle back, is an area where that essentially the generation is close to its the source rather than large projects miles away from the where it's needed. And so you're spot on, Bonoy, that banks we have and investors we have spent a lot of time with. And your platform as well, I think too, right? To make it uniform and easy mm. to take all this information that you're getting to be able to analyze for different types of financing or what the ideal, I think as well, right? There's been, I'm sure, an education process and infrastructure technology that's, for what you do. That's absolutely, yeah, we, the platform has been very helpful in standardizing and presenting inf in, yeah. information. Because um, I could tell you my experience yeah. working with individual developers, yeah. you know, the information comes in a lot of different ways. And then to take that information and to make it, especially for a financing party to kind of understand, which I know you've been involved with and understand that and have made this so that it could be very easy and basically as well speeds up the whole process of investors analyzing different opportunities to finance projects, that's, that's whatever a, product it may be. That's so. that's absolutely right. The ability, we find ourselves almost as like a translator. It's sort of taking yes. developer speak and, yeah. and taking it to the banks and, and they, and and they you recognize. And speak their language. That's, that's exactly it. So uh, yeah, that, that's a lot of value that you guys are adding to the industry. And it's exciting to kind of hear, you know, your path, obviously you're, and I, you know, I kind of cut you off from, what you were saying because you were kind of going through the whole path of where yeah no we where we are so essentially educating the banks as, as you rightly picked up on and, and and then they bought some of our loans and then what we realized in the last two years is that with that exciting threshold of call it a tipping point of enough banks to allow competition to allow choice and the sector meant that our role we felt was best placed as a platform between capital and in this case, the borrowers, and that has, and that has flourished so that I mentioned at the beginning, 
we're as long as alongside the, the lending tree idea and very complementary to that, it's, it's as a financial solutions provider to our clients so that when they're looking to find debt or tax equity, which is a tough thing to find in the US market or even sell their projects. So we become a, a nexus, if you like, to allow particularly above 1 million. That's key. So above 1 million, we facilitate access to capital to build, to own, or to sell these assets. And what that, you know, at one level, what that allows is the best price capital come in. And usually, ultimately, that means more money come in. So our original objective of saying, hey, not enough money is coming into the market. We're, we are hell-bent on bringing in more capital and, and allowing these the different sectors, solar, storage, efficiency, and beyond to grow. Okay, so you also do energy. You have financing for energy efficiency. You have financing for storage as yes. well. Yeah. Obviously, you talked about distributed energy. So do you also do other renewable energy projects uh, like wind or biomass, landfill gas, hydro, or... Funnily yeah. enough, wind is the only one we haven't really looked at. So sure. we've seen hydro, we've seen waste to energy, we've seen waste to value in mm-hmm. terms of uh, a byproduct from the recycling of waste, whether that's biogas, well, you do sell the product there, but products that could be, so for example, fertilizer sure. from the organic process. Hydro, yeah, so hydro, waste. Let's say our door is open. Yeah. When it comes to raising capital for renewable and low carbon projects. Oh, that's great to know. And that's great for the audience to know just because you're not solar specific. Can you talk about what made you start your own company? I know, I think you were part of a previous company that was involved in environmental commodities. Can you talk you know, more about your career path? What got you into entrepreneurship? You know, now you know, you founded Open Energy five and a half years ago. You talked about some interesting pivots and things that you've learned along the journey. And and it's all, you know, an adjustment and learning and then kind of trying to figure out how to constantly add value and where you could add value. So it'd be really interesting to kind of understand your path and then what led you to start your own company. Yeah, I I think um, when you shared the question with me earlier, I I think um, for me, my first response was you need a passion about something. And I've from a very young age. You could hear the passion in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thank you. I remember from a very young age, I, I had a, back when I was young, they, the green books, the books about renewable energy, they were so animated, they printed their paper on visibly recycled paper. Oh, wow. So the piece that you could see, unlike clearly, well, most people probably don't read books anymore, but the books had, it looked like, you could tell sure. it was recycled <laughs> paper. And I remember one around the, the Rio conference in 92 and, I remember that impact on me. And so where that led to subsequently was, unbeknownst to me, was a search of the intersection between renewable energy and finance. And that that was very exciting because prior to that, it was a sort of cottage interest. But when you can try and or the opportunity to make money from passion is, is a great thing, I think. And in my previous company, we were, we were, it was a brokerage firm and we believed in sourcing some of the renewable energy credits. But this was in Europe, actually. Then what came with the renewable energy credits or what you really wanted was the projects. Um, sure. So we ended up brokering and bringing capital into early stage solar projects about 10 years ago in the UK. And that was fascinating, partly because of the early stage, super early stage. And then moving on a couple of years when I transferred to New York, the passion for renewable energy was 
shall we say, undeniable. So yeah. there came a time when I, I think the light bulb moment was seeing the contrast in the US with Europe, where Europe had, had visibly taken off. Renewable energy was here to stay. It had encountered some bumps along the way. So I saw both the rapid growth of a sector and then the tailing off for a variety of reasons. And when I looked at the US market five years ago, I'm sure many of the other listeners might feel the same, but it was such a nascent market with vast untapped potential. And I thought there's a great business sure. opportunity that is, that again, linked with a passion for renewable energy. So, and particularly finance and, and going back full circle, how do we bring more finance to grow US renewable energy? Definitely. That's pretty interesting to hear because I was listening to you on the expert only podcast and you were talking about the feed-in tariff in Spain and obviously how the feed-in tariff dropped dramatically and then basically development pretty much stopped. Um, and it's interesting as well to see, you know, what's happened in the UK recently with Brexit and um, a lot less, you know, development because yeah. of the block program, yeah. which is similar yeah. to a REC incentive. And, yeah. and now I find it interesting because there are a lot of European developers and investors aggressively it's, developing in the US because they are. feel like there's a lot of opportunity. So that's kind of... That's, I think you're spot on, by the way. I think that's a, that's a huge trend. The Europeans, which is great expertise and money coming into the market and further helping grow this market, creating competition. But, you know, this, again, we're still the tip of an iceberg. Uh, I think. Definitely. And, you know, obviously, um, we're not that far away, I feel like, from grid parity. Obviously, it's very important to have, you know, federal and state incentives. But hopefully in the near future, you know, all 50 states will be, depending on the financing structure you know, versus owning versus leasing versus PPA. It all, you know, financially makes sense. And we're just seeing the cost of both solar and wind go down dramatically. So it's exciting. And obviously, waste to energy, there's a lot of opportunity as well, which is pretty exciting. I know you talked about your background and you talked about actually, I guess you answered the question, how you, what made you start your company? What would you suggest for people who are looking to start their own business and entrepreneurship. I know you mentioned how passion, you know, is very important. Can you talk about uh, what suggestions you would have, or what type of personality it would be? I, th I think I think, and, and you, you can probably attest to this. You need a particular commitment, drive, commitment, sure. and and self belief. Because ultimately, if you're starting something, it's possibly because it hasn't been possibly it hasn't been done before or hasn't been done in that way or your slant and your idea is different from others that have gone before. So it requires that belief that and persistence and the belief in the persistence, knowing that you can see forward enough that past initial failure or initial non-acceptance, that there will be uptake for a service or product. And I think the ways to sustain that are, I think you need that. You know, I come back to the enthusiasm and passion because it needs to be a real, a deep-rooted belief about a product and its need in the market and recognizing a need in the market. Sure. And then going to something totally separate, I know you were on the Olympic team, I think, for the UK Olympic team in rowing. Was it the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta? Yes. Can you talk about, too, like how that maybe helps you as far as having your own business? You know, I can't imagine, you know, how disciplined you have to be to be able to compete at that level. And I thought it was funny, too. I was really impressed. Um, this was maybe two years ago, actually, the Solar Power Finance Conference. You and Michael Bloomquist, who works with you, who is also a professional rower as well, 
were always running in the morning and doing your, you know, your workouts in the morning. And like, so I feel like there's a certain discipline, you know, as being a former athlete. And by the way, I was a former athlete in high school and was supposed to be in college. And I actually still play sports competitively, but not at that level. Can you talk about maybe like being a, a rower and the type of discipline and being an Olympic athlete, how you think maybe that impacted you as a person or potentially how uh, you've run your business? Or I, I, I think, and I've reflected because athletes, I've seen athletes opine a lot on how their experience is good for business. Um, and it seems, by the way, sorry to cut you off, but I feel like a lot of like investment banks in New York prefer like at college athletes or Olympic athletes, even uh, people who have a military background just from, so sorry to cut you off, but I feel like it seems like there's a company seem to have some sort of preference towards someone who has like a former. I don't want to, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to comment on, on so much on that, but what I can say is that, that certainly in the sport I was associated with rowing and, and also then rowing at a high, high level is that the, something there's a concept of delayed gratification which is the idea that a couple of things that are encapsulated in that and that is that easy wins probably aren't great wins what what i mean by that is that you have to invest a lot for something to really matter so that your return on what you what you invest in comes later on and is significant so that in row i'll give you an example in rowing you do vast volumes of training so lots of lots of hours of very physical very repetitive, very similar exercises, whether it's lifting weights or spending a lot of time on the rowing machine, which people might have seen on the gym, which isn't very interesting. But the, the ultimate goal is the Olympics or winning Olympic gold medal, which for me is like the best thing ever. And in business, what that taught me is that particularly good as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you know, it's just you have to keep going. That isn't terribly enlightening in and of itself, but in knowing that success is not immediate, it's it's usually extremely hard fought, but is that much sweeter, you know, following that long series of consistent, dedicated commitment. And frankly, I don't know any other, other way to success. It is only the product of extremely hard, committed work. I totally agree. And, you know, it's a journey. And I think that's a great insight that you provided. And I think a lot of people think sometimes they just see the exterior and don't, don't really see the process that you had to go through to get that. And I think the only way in life, there's no shortcuts. It's really about putting in the work, which, and being passionate about it, which, you know, you're very passionate and extremely hardworking. I know you're working all the time, it seems. So, you know, this has been an amazing podcast. What's the best way for the listeners to contact you? There's a the website. The website is openenergygroup.com. There's a, there's an info at openenergygroup.com for any inquiries. And we, we certainly love hearing from anyone, frankly, who's, who's passionate about renewable energy. And certainly when it comes to finance, we're always interested to help. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, about when you could get a free financing quote, so developers who are looking, who have projects, it's very simple, like sort of application. And I know you guys get back to people pretty quickly on that. And all you have to do is go to the openenergygroup.com website. You scroll down and you can input the project information and, and, and they'll get back. To That's you exactly it. Thank you, Benoit. Yeah, we're, yeah, if anyone is looking for direct financing feedback and quotes, then we will, the team are ready to, ready to receive any inbound inquiries. 
Great. Well, Graham, I think this is an amazing interview. Thank you for your time and thank you again for being on the podcast. Thanks, Benoit. And thank you for listening, Mavericks. I'm really excited to see the future growth of the Southern Maverick. Definitely. Thank you. And for being part of our early first episodes. Thank you again, Graham. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. Thank you.